There's your intro. <laughs> no, no, the the intro can't just be me talking. That's not that's not cool. Nobody wants to hear me just pontificate, you know? Nobody needs that in their life. I want to hear you talk about trimming your beard though. I mean, trimming my beard is is a lot of fun, but you know, it's I don't think anybody needs to hear now now we're gonna give people the impression that like all I did was like talk about it was not like a long time for the record. <laughs> so what was the name of that thing you said you used? <laughs> Can you go over your care routine one more time? No. <laughs> Jeez, no. <laughs> for the for the recording. For the just, recording. just for the people. Yeah. Just for the people. Just for posterity's sake. Oh. CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, February the 29th. It is Leap Day, um, a good illustration that sometimes, you know what, humans are like, you know what, we, we messed up some math, and it's fine, because we're just going to move We're gonna move a number, and it's all good. Uh, speaking of numbers, uh, last weekend... UVA did not break 50. Last night, they did, which is a nice step in the right direction. In fact, they scored 70. I don't think I realized it was like 72 until like after the game for some reason, which sounds weird. Anyway, we will talk about both of those games and preview Saturday's uh, matchup in Durham. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, in Fishersville, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Going pretty well. I was trying to think 11 years, almost 12 years of doing this. I don't think we've ever recorded on a leap day, have we? Ooh, that's a good no, that's a good question. I I I don't think so. Um, that's a good question. I'll I'll, I'll check that at some point when when y'all's talking. We'll so see. so likely a first for us. Likely, yeah. We're gonna first, we're gonna go with until the podcast until Danny Neckel tweets at me and tells me I'm wrong. Um, yeah, if we won a national championship in a major sport before we recorded on leap day, that's pretty impressive. Who days on the board at Who days on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Editor in chief Justin Ferber from Charlottesville is also on this year program. How's it going, my dude? There is a bunch of loud bangs outside just now, so I think people are shooting off fireworks to celebrate our Leap Day debut. Wow! Um, here in here in Charlottesville at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional banter. Um, fireworks, man! On a on a Thursday night. I don't know that it was fireworks. It might have been a car backfiring or something. Have, might have, going off. Somebody got got. Yeah. Um, all right. So Cavaliers lost to Carolina 54-44. I feel like we need to spend at least a little time on just how bad the offense. I mean, especially because they only scored 41 against Virginia Tech. Obviously, you know, it has not been the greatest stretch. I mean, even in the win, they scored 49 against Wake, right? Um so it 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 does feel like that ever since that pit game, um, yeah, the maybe the, the 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 sort of wheels were coming off a little earlier than that, but in general, cer- it, certainly the last few weeks has been or the last couple weeks has been rough. Last few games, 
Um, but they do get to, like I said, 72 last night in a four-point win over Boston College. I know Ferber's not very big on the whole, like, weird stuff happens in Condi Forum. I, I don't necessarily disagree with him. I do think, though, it's, it is it is a little daunting at times to get out of there with a win. It just feels like that's always places where teams just go up. And, it's a wonder that Boston College doesn't win more games because, like, I feel like everybody goes to Boston College and loses, but yeah, see, that that's can't the thing, be possible. Though, is like if you actually look at their results, people do go there and win all the time. <laughs> like, they just they just, just never it, win anywhere else. <laughs> it just it's like a bias thing because people get used to it's like weird to lose where there's in a place where there's like no fans and oh my team god, you are kidding? Really not good. All right, so let's see. They lost to Florida State at home by a point. Uh, they lost to Carolina at home by ten, and they lost to Wake at home by six. I'm pretty sure Syracuse is the only team that's like even notable that they beat. But I'm just looking. You mean away from home? At home. Well, I mean that. Well, no, no. But like, um, but I'm saying like, I just think everybody loses in Boston College. But clearly, they win some games at home, right? They beat. uh, Well, Notre Dame doesn't really count. Syracuse, Louisville. All of BC's wins are against like the bottom teams in the league. That's fair. Except for Syracuse. That's fair. Um. And like if you go back to last year, like the only team they beat at home that was any good was UVA. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's go back to Carolina. So ten point lost. Uh, I mean, the thing was right there. I mean, it's it's frustrating because you you play a top ten team and your defense was as good as Virginia's defense was that day, and then you shoot twenty eight percent from the field, you shoot fourteen percent from three. Um, one of their better free throw days, ten of fifteen. Um. Obviously, they were going to get out-rebounded. Obviously, um, you know, that was going to be a problem. But they had more points in the paint, even though they didn't score basically anything. And somehow, they had more offensive rebounds, which is wild. Um, But, you know, it just was not enough. Um, It was not even remotely close to enough. There were times where Carolina, I felt like, was trying to let them in it a little bit, especially because, you know, they don't get uh, Baco for the whole first half. You know, it got sort of tight there. And Carolina had that one uh, Ingram bucket underneath that really kind of felt like the the final nail, so to speak, in any sort of upset bid, right? Um, where Gertrude and uh, Dunn essentially went both went with the uh, with with Ryan, and Ingram is just wide open like a seven eleven on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, I, I don't know if we have any direct takeaways from that game we want to discuss, or maybe we'll just sort of. Um, pair them both together. But after that, knowing that last night was a must-win, understanding the sort of bigger picture, Virginia does go to Boston College and wins. Um, 44% from the floor, 38% from three, 8 of 21, which is 21 threes. I mean, honestly, is probably the best number on the board to me. Um, you know, still crazy to me that Virginia can win a game on the road. I don't care who you're playing, and they only got one point off of a turnover, uh, which is typically, you know, a big a big boost for them. Um out rebounded BC, which is nice. Did a nice job, I think, of sort of having a better second half in terms of you know steals and blocks um, than they had a first half. Um, but it got close late, and they made a couple free throws. Matter of fact, they made their last four free throws, which is for this team a nice step in the right direction. Um, Ferber, I'm going to start with you this week just to kind of change it up on this leap day. Um, sure. We sort of obviously at this point in the season we know who UVA is, right? I changed the starting lineup last night with um, Rody getting sort of pulled, although I think Tony after the game said he wasn't pulled. They just needed to make a change, which I think is the same thing. Um, 
they put Groves in. He plays 30 minutes in this game. Now, he was 5 of 11 from the floor. He hit three of his six uh, attempts from deep, 13 points. Do you like the starting lineup change? Do you just feel like they had to do something? Is this the something that you would have done, and how do you think this sets them up going forward? I mean, I guess my question would be, was it more a UVA thing where it's like this is the change – that they needed to make for them, or was it a change they wanted to make for this game? You know? I think it's a change they wanted to make for them because the way Tony framed yeah, BC, it was... It's not really a matchup thing with BC. I right. couldn't... Like, yeah. It wasn't anything that stood out to me that like in that regard. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it worked. I think, you know, you look at... I think this team... We, we again, I think this is like three or four weeks in a row I've said this, but, like, they're a front-running kind of team. Like, and that's right. not a bad thing, but, you know, you need to kind of get out of the blocks and in the last two games you know we saw one game where they really really didn't you know would they have like six points like 12 minutes into the game or whatever yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. yeah and they just they, i mean like they just kept taking kind of like semi-contested runners and they just couldn't get them to go and the more that they didn't go the worse it got um and then against bc it was a little clunky for a few possessions and then they got up what was it like 11 to 2 um so i mean like that really helped them even bc you know obviously got back in and eventually took the lead but UVA was able to sort of coast on that lead for the rest of the first half and then into the second half. And then when BC made their big run, UVA was still only down by one. So um, they were able to sort of finish it off from there. But as far as Groves, like I would like to look into it more because we've talked a lot about like the less he plays, the better he is. But like I look at his game logs and I don't necessarily see that. Um, But I think also like he plays more when he's shooting well. So it's like, you know, it's not necessarily by design, right? So um, the way I, think I would really describe it him, is, hold on, real quick. I think the way I would describe it is, it's not so much that he plays better; it's that like I feel like he is sharper, and the way it impacts the other. Like I think the more he plays, basically, it's like the more other teams see his fastball, right? The more hits he gives up. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the more he's out there, if you can flash him and you can actually get some shots for him that space opens up and then UVA benefits from that, even if he's not the one necessarily shooting those shots all the time. Yeah. And I think like for him, it's kind of like what I was just saying with the team. I think he plays well when he starts well, like if he comes out and knocks a couple down, like think about the Clemson game, the Miami game, he came out, got in the game off the bench both times and came out firing and like, you know, he did a lot of his damage then, and then he was able to sort of sustain. And then he played more, I think because he was making shots and then in some of these other games where like he comes out and he doesn't really shoot or he goes zero for one, he ends up playing less because it's like he's not impacting the game. So it's like, you know, and and, and I almost look at what he's giving you as like, I mean, they really need it, but it's kind of a bonus in a way. Like, you know, I don't really from game to game, I'm not going in like Groves is going to have 12 because that's just what he does. Like sometimes he does and sometimes he has two. Um, but, you know, I think him and then just McNeely and like the volume of threes that they took and made. That's really the difference between, you know, like 50 points and 70 points. I mean, it really can't be that big of a difference if you end up making 10 threes or eight threes or whatever they made last night versus two or three. Yeah. Dave, I feel like, you know, certainly the shield would say that Virginia has to do certain things to win. And I don't mean just like scoring more points. Um, I, I don't think that we can say that necessarily this team has given us a lot of confidence to think like, okay, if they don't do these things, there are these other things that they could do, right? I, I think that blocks and steals, shooting percentage, 
Um, I mean, that really does tell us a lot about this team. And if no other reason, then it, it does a nice job of framing how well the team is or isn't executing. And I don't think I've ever seen a Virginia team that was more helter-skelter in that respect, right? There are some real Jekyll and Hyde in this group, right? Sometimes, to Ferber's point about sort of front-running, like sometimes it, it clicks early and they're, they're just a whole different team. And I don't know if it's necessarily just mental. Like, I think a lot of people want to point to that, and, and understandably so. But I, it's like execution doesn't just ebb and flow. Um, it's like their basketball IQ seems to, and I I don't mean this in like a taking a shot way, but they're just, there are some, there are some times where they, they shoot some shots that I just genuinely don't understand what they are other than panic. Right. Um, in terms of sort of the way, um, things seem to be stacking up and also, the the bona fides that we've seen from this team. Do you feel like there's some, is there a curveball in this group? I mean, are, are, or are you even more convinced as, than ever that the shield has to be met in order for them to find success? I mean, at this point, it's hard to believe things would change all of a sudden, right? I mean, I think this team is who they are. Um, and I think some of that is because the best offensive version of this team is not the best defensive, right? It's not a team that you can, you're going to get both. Um, so you've got a, you've, you know, what Dunn didn't play, what basically the last nine minutes until late last night, um, just because they needed a little more offense on the floor. So I think because of that, what, what the shield represents, you know, those, those stocks, if you will, they, they've got to, they've got to get them just because for, for them to do the other part of the shield, which is make four threes and shoot more than 40%. That means probably a couple of their better defenders are not going to be on the floor as much. So, yeah, you know, 20, what, 28, whatever number of games we are in now, it's hard to believe something's going to change. Um, short of like, you know, Rody becoming a marksman from three um, so that you've got more depth or, or Groves. I mean, I think last night was kind of a positive for Groves. Um, I haven't charted it, but. Groves, like he's played minutes. Justin, you're right. I was looking at it after the game last night, Derner, because we talked about it in our text thread. He's played a lot of minutes and and made threes, but a lot of those threes are like in bunches, usually early, like you were saying, Brad. So last night might be, I'll have to go back and look, but last night might be the longest he played before making his first three in a game where he made multiple, if that makes sense. I think that's that's probably more the accurate statement is like, it's not that when he plays more, he's worse. It's just like the longer he goes, if he hasn't, done a whole lot the chances of him like doing a whole lot isn't great <laughs> like yeah. if that makes sense yeah i mean i think that's exactly what it is and it? some of that could be just due to you know better fitness from you know practicing like we do and everything else and getting more used to it but you know it's a positive for uva either either way and you know the upside of grows being on the floor is he's going to take threes and that's you know thing we've talked about in multiple podcasts this team needs to shoot more threes against carolina what 14 of 58 field goals like that's not going to get it done um, you know, the Carolina result was frustrating. It wasn't as frustrating as the Virginia Tech result because Carolina's got a better defensive efficiency than we do. Um, we're just not used to seeing it. And I think that's something Tony said in the post game, um, which I think we all know, but we don't focus on it enough. It's just, you know, usually UVA is the oldest team in the league and they're not anymore. And I also kind of changed that transfer portals kind of changed that. Um, 
Like he was talking about the Duke game. He's like, you know, only two guys who've played any minutes at Duke are Reese and IMAC. Um, so that's kind of crazy. You know, it's kind of eye opening because that's how Virginia's always made, you know, made their hay in the ACC. And I kind of thought about it watching the Carolina game. I mean, obviously, I've watched Carolina play this year, but it's different when they're playing your guys, right? Like, I mean, if you think about those teams that Tony is just not that they didn't play good defense, but they've just year in and year out, they just strangled them, you know, for, for the most part defensively. Um, and in the past, it's been, you know, a bunch of first and second years or, you know, one and dones. And, those guys just, you know, they don't hold the rope. And now you, I think you've got guys that are transfers like Ryan and everyone who are showing up at programs like Carolina who couldn't in the past um, and are fully bought into, like, making the most of that experience. And I think it's it's kind of changed the equation a little bit. And to be honest, the more I watch that, the more impressed I am that Virginia's won 12 games already in the ACC with the roster they have given, given how much we lean on um, experience traditionally. Yeah, I feel like in some ways, how do how do I put this in words? I feel like in some ways, if you really want to be honest about this team, like I think everybody wants them to be better than they are, right? And everybody assumes just absolute like height of pop of potential, right, at every spot and what the team could be, right? That's just the way humans work, right? But if we're just real honest about sort of what they are and what they're not. In some ways, a double buy is a little bit of an overachievement, and I and I don't mean that to make this. I mean they're a national championship winning program. They got a Hall of Famer um, at the helm, right? There's talent on this roster. It's just not necessarily talent that is built put together in a way that makes a team that should be one of the ACC's best teams, right? And that yeah. for a little while there, they were flirting with, you know, trying to make a run at another regular season um, title or whatever. It's kind of astonishing. Like right now in Kempom, they're 181st offensively, right? They're top 10 defense. And certainly we've seen Virginia teams in the past really lean on their defense. But that's today's point earlier. And that's something I thought of last night. Like the, the, the crux of the issue is, is that Virginia's best offensive lineup and its best defensive lineup are like completely different humans. Right. And usually at least part of that lines up and you can make some tweaks depending on what you need. This is almost like night and day. It's not true five and five, but it's not far off from that. Right. And so I think that in some ways, if we're, if we're real honest about sort of where the team is at, at this point in the season, the eight game winning streak was nice, but they really did sort of feast on a whole bunch of teams that weren't that great. And when you look at sort of the 50, 50 teams, right, the, the squads that, you know, on any given night you could win by 10 and on any given night they could beat you by 15, like they have not played well against them, right? Um, I mean, I would even kind of lump Virginia Tech in that group, right? Because Tech is a team that when when they're cooking, they're kind of tough, right? They got some pieces that fit nicely and they really kind of put some pressure on you, especially, you know, in terms of matchups. And if you can't meet that, if you can't hit those threes, if you can't keep up with them um, – you know, it, it can get ugly, which is, you know, what we saw. So it's not just like Duke and Carolina. It's, you know, it's Clemson. It's Wake. It's Pitt. Like, they, they've obviously, they got housed in, in Winston-Salem. They lost to Pitt at home. Um, you know, that Clemson game absolutely could have gone either way. And of the eight games that they won in a row, they took NC State to overtime. Um, you know, they, they only really, I don't want to say they lucked into that Clemson win because I think it's pretty gutsy. But that was the one 
game. That was their best win. And really, they yeah. were like a clean look from three away from losing. Yeah. Like, and the same thing if you think about the Wake Forest game, right? If old, if old English buddy doesn't, you know, kind of lose his mind a little bit <laughs> there at the end, you know, God save the queen. I mean, it would have been a different result probably, right? And those are probably the two best wins UVA's got on the season, right? Given sort of where they are in the bigger picture and such. Yeah. Um, Florida looks better now, but I mean, yeah. that's... I would just like ago. to stay for the record that when they, when they beat Florida, nobody thought Florida was going to be all that great. I mean, I, at the time, I remember, you know, um, both Florida kinda, and... Yeah. Kind of thought they'd be where UVA is now. Right, like yeah. bubble-ish, maybe, you know. Yeah, so it does kind of feel like, in a lot of ways, this team is overachieved. Having said that, if they lose to Georgia Tech and don't make it to the NCAA tournament, people will be apoplectic. Like, that's just the way humans <laughs> work, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I was thinking about it today. Like, I was... Um, I feel like in some ways this team, you're right. I think this team has overachieved now that, you know, we're, I think we're all hopeful that everyone's going to hit, right? Like all your first years are going to come in and, and do their thing, whether the transfers or freshmen or whatever. Um, but I do feel like this team is kind of carrying the burden of the way last year ended, which has nothing I, to do I, with That's them. a really good point. I agree with that. Um, like if, if that team last year had made a sweet, sweet 16 run, which wasn't out of the question, you know, they had that firm in game one, right? They'd have won a couple, and Virginia had, you know, gotten an NCAA win, and I think we'd all kind of be a little more accepting of the way things are now. Um, I mean, if they had just beaten Furman and that was the end of the road, you know, it's yeah, a they lost the next game. Yeah, probably. Like probably the next that. game was San Diego State, who wins the national championship. But so. yeah, I do think there's this. Maybe it's just me, but I do feel like this team's carrying the burden of the last, you know, last year especially, and even everything that's happened since the championship. and I mean, you think about it too, that 2019 team, they didn't just have the UMBC thing, which was obviously the biggest thing, but they were also kind of like, when's this program going to break through? They had to kind of walk around with that. And it wasn't just yeah. because of UMBC. Oh yeah, man. It was every um, Pat 40 column everywhere, especially because they but, had lost that year. And and I, I smoked them twice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Tony does a pretty good job of kind of like letting that fall on him. You know, like, and just being like, you know, if they're going to criticize us, let it be a criticism of me and like the way that we play. Right. Um, but I don't know, like maybe this is a conversation for when the season ends, like how we evaluate, like overachieving, underachieving. Um, I think like if this team goes like 13 and seven in the ACC after now that we've seen them play 30 games, I think that's a good job by them, you know, considering mm -hmm. where the things were, but it's like, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at, you know, mid January. It's like, um, you know, are you overachieving versus like what this team is capable of or like what your expectations were, you know, yeah. because the expect they're they're I wouldn't say they're underachieving massively expectations. Um, they were picked fourth, I think, in the league, yeah. third, fourth. But I mean, I think people thought they'd be squarely in the NCAA tournament. And I remember talking to on this podcast about how we were like, hmm, like we don't think this team's bad, but they certainly like we don't know for sure that they're great. And, you know, people on Twitter were like, why are people being so negative um, after the first game? <laughs> so yeah, clearly right. it wasn't like we came into the season like this team's a project. Yeah. So I think that's a good question. I feel like if you look at the talent and certainly if you look at the games, it, to me, the thing that is that is hard to swallow, it's not necessarily who they've lost to or when they lost them. It's the manner in which they've lost some of these games like you got housed by a Memphis team that, that clearly something, some is a miss right in, in Penny's locker room. Like something is up like that. That team is way more talented than ultimately what has be, befallen them. Right. 
Um, they lost at, at Notre Dame by 22. They lost at State by 16, and that was probably not close for a little while. Not, not Neither as, of those not games were as close as the final score. Right. They were down 30-something to Notre Dame. Then they lost by 20 to, to Wake in, in the dash, right? Um, they win eight games in a row, which is great, right? And then after they, um, you know, you, you get obliterated by Tech and um, you're only scoring in the 40s for a few games in a row. So, like, it's not so much to me the results. Like, to your point for we're like 13 and 7, it's the how they got to the 21 and 8 right now, right? Like, they've either been really good, right? I mean, I completely forgot they got housed by Wisconsin too, right? Like, they've either been good enough to win or they just get obliterated. And the fact that there's like very little, like the, the size of the delta between those two things is very unvirginia like, right? Like, it is not, it, and I think it goes back to, and we've talked about this before, right? Like, what Tony ultimately wants beyond, you know, just having great players who are always, you know, who are just great is consistency, right? He wants to know what he can count on from a guy night in and night out. What's weird about this team is that at times he has put some really strange lineups out there, almost as if he's begging somebody to please just show me the same thing more than once, right? Um, and other than Beekman, and even you could even make the argument that, you know, IMAC hasn't necessarily been, you know, as consistent. But there are times, even last night, where, where the ball is moving, guys are cutting, and you're like, okay, like this is what offense is supposed to look like. And then you get to a place, and just a dude just doesn't take a shot. And you're like, no, no, that that's where it's got to be. That's that, right there, that that shot. And now you just know there's going to be three passes. There's going to be somebody motioning for some screen, and then they realize that the shot clock is low, and they got to do something that's going to be some ugly mid-range jumper that wasn't as good as the shot if they'd taken it the first time. And like that's where I go back to the whole back. I like I feel like the basketball IQ, the feel for this is just not where Tony Bennett teams typically are. Now you could say that's youth you could say that's just relative inexperience you could point to a lot of different things but ultimately like that's the thing that that this program basically requires right we can talk about length we can talk about shooting we can talk about dudes who can move their feet and who can hedge and who can get down the lane and all this stuff but at its most basic level what tony bennett's teams require (laughs) is consistency and knowing what you're supposed to be doing right and i don't mean that in the like oh do they understand the play I mean it in terms of like their feel for the game, right? Where are you supposed to be when this guy's here and that guy's there? Where are you supposed to be? And just knowing that versus having to like stop and, you know, have a think about it. Um, And I think as we look at this team throughout the season, that is the only way that any of it makes any sense. Homefield Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more. With college basketball now in full swing, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Homefield. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Homefield has comfortable, thoughtful selections not just for UVA, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So no matter who you pull for, there's something for you. Their plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've done with the various UVA logos, and I'm really excited about what they're going to do in the future. Their products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. You're not going to find anything better out there. So don't miss the hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. 
homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CAVSCorner.com. I mean, feel has always been important in this offense. I think that's why you see Rody getting so many minutes. Um, yeah. I mean, I got, I know he gets, you know, everyone gets bangs on him about his missing his free throws, but he makes like, you know, he knows where the ball needs to go. Um, he makes good passes and, and that kind of thing. And if you think back to the better Virginia teams, it, you know, Todd Jerome, the king of it, London was good at it. <clears throat> Kihei was good at it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I think that's true for every basketball team now, you know, you know, it, it's hard to just come down and, you know, beat a guy one-on-one unless you got, you know, unless you're playing five out and most teams are a little bit too sophisticated to do that. So, but I think it all like ultimately goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is this team just hasn't played much in Tony's system. Um, and you can't fix that. It's just, they've got more games in it now. And I think if you're a Virginia fan, you hope um, when they get, you know, hopefully get into the postseason. um, not having to play away games at that point and having more experience would just make them a, a better unit. Um, you know, look, I'd be, I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked to see this team make the tournament, make a little run just because they don't have any pressure on them. They're not no ex you talking about no expectations. There's definitely no expectations of making a run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. What do you think for? Yeah. I mean, I think, the question for me is like, can they can they kind of recapture what happened in that winning streak? And I think a lot of that was you talk about feel like I think a lot of it was confidence. Um, you know, when things started to go right for them, they just looked like a different team. Like the kind of, I don't know why, but the game that kind of stands out for me is the Florida State game, which was near the end of the streak. I think it might have been the last one that they got. Um, you know, that one was one where I was kind of like Florida State's length could bother them. Like, we'll see how they do. Obviously not maybe the hardest place to play in terms of atmosphere. But, you know, they went down there and just looked like they were clearly the better team. than a team that at that point was not very, you know, far off from them in the standings. Um, and they just went down there and like they didn't dominate maybe like they did against Miami, but it was on the road. So it was kind of like to me and it wasn't against one of the teams that's at the very bottom of the league, like a Louisville. Um so it's me like that sort of play. You can win a lot of games if you play like that. And um, now I don't think that's going to necessarily lead to them winning on Saturday night um, in Durham, but I think it might lead to them, you know, winning a game or two in a, in DC, you know, and maybe you find a way to win one in the tournament if you can get there. Like, um, and you know, we talk about like, what's a successful season. Like I, I don't, I remember Brad and I did a podcast, um, near the end of the year and we were kind of talking about like the big picture for football and basketball, I think. And my whole thing was like, you know, it's at that point they were playing. Okay. I think that was like before they played Memphis. Um, But it was kind of like, this is all well and good, but like win a tournament game. Like, I don't really care what the situation is. And honestly, I think it might be bad. It'll be like almost if they get in, it'll be like almost refreshing to see them in as like a team that isn't expected to like, you know, roll the team that they're playing, you know, all right, so before we wrap up, let's at least talk for a few minutes about the the game that Virginia has in front of it. The Cavaliers will go to Durham this weekend. Um, they get um, a Duke team that you know was kind of cooking there for a little while. They had won like what nine of ten. They lost to Wake Forest. There was a whole kerfuffle about the court storming, which continues to reverberate all over dork um, media people who can't shut up about things. Um, yeah, I said what I said. Um, 
All right, so then they beat the brakes off Louisville on Wednesday night. Um, Ken Palm has this as a 69-58 Duke win, 84%. Duke's a top 25 defense, top eight offense. A um, lot of green if you look at their Ken Palm profile on either side. They The only thing you can think, you can really say is that they get a lot of their shots blocked, and that's really it. Um, in general, I mean, we're not going to pick a score. Dave, what do you feel? Other than, again, don't be... You know, you got to score more points. What do you need to see from UVA to make you feel confident that they're going to win the game? Like, if you see, if, well, I don't think you're actually going to be able to see it. But in the event that you are able to see it, what do you need to see from them in order to, to feel like they're, all right, we, you know, we got a shot at doing this? Well, they got to make shots, Brad. <laughs> score points. <laughs> I mean, look at me. I think the big thing for this team is not to be overwhelmed by the environment. Um, right. Right. Cause like, I mean, I think, you know, the, letting go of the rope or whatever it is. But I also think they've got to look Ryan Dunn, who I think is going to have to be a big part of this game plan, just defensively. He's got to be willing to take a shot and not worry about, you know, if he shoots an air ball there, he's not going to hear about it. You know, he's going to hear about it the rest of the game. Um, so I think, you know, it's just not getting overwhelmed by the environment and just doing what you do. Um, this team has shown the ability to do that sometimes on the road, but they've also shown the ability to, to not do it. And if you, like against this Duke team, if if they they get rattled like they did it, you know, you know, against at Wake Forest or at Notre Dame or at Virginia Tech, like it could get ugly fast. Like it could right. be thirty points at the half. Um, so look, but I I do think this Duke team's beatable. Um, like, uh, we've played much tougher Duke teams. They've got some pieces, but you know they, they do have four ACC losses and they've lost to some teams they shouldn't have. Obviously, it's been a while, but it happened. Um, wasn't at home but that's a different story um they did lose to pit at home though oh yeah that's right they did lose pit down but yeah, and that one was really weird because pit was like one and five yeah so i mean look virginia's got to do what virginia does to win this game which is play defense make threes and you know do the shield thing man um that's just it's a tough environment to do it but it, like if if virginia were, were to go in there and win this thing um you know they can go from being you know on the bubble to making a you know jumping up a seed line or two maybe three um <laughs> yeah so it's a big opportunity yeah all right for our last question we'll get you we'll get us out of here on this um more likely to happen virginia gets boat raced or um and by that i mean losing by 20 plus or mm-hmm. virginia wins the game boat raced right I mean, I mean, I feel like that's probably the, especially on the road and to Dave's point about the environment. My thing with that front, with that question though, and the reason I pose it to you is like, it, it's just so foreign to think of UVA just no showing these big games, right? Mm-hmm. And a week after, you know, the offense couldn't get going. I do think the fact that they were more decisive in their action, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we talked about it, right? They were cutting harder. It, it, it did feel like there was a sense of urgency last night in, in, in Chestnut Hill. I'm yeah. curious to see if that carries over. Yeah. And I, I think like everything Dave said is true. I think, you know, it's not like Duke is, you know, some sort of like unbeatable juggernaut Duke team. Um, they're just one of the best teams that UVA has played. And I think that's kind of where I am with this is like, you kind of have to remember like the way the UVA schedule has played out. They haven't really played. I mean, Carolina is the best team that they've played. Um, and Carolina played crappy and won't. By 10 um at in charlottesville um and you know like I, I think duke on the road is probably the toughest game that they've played um, right 
And, you know, maybe they're maybe they're not as bad as they were in January, but this team has a penchant for getting blown out. Like yeah, they just do. agreed. And and that doesn't I mean, maybe but they they still win a lot of games, but like they get blown out a lot. So this feels like a game to me where it's like they're either gonna have staying power and we're gonna see that early because they're gonna kinda jump out to a lead and you know, we're gonna feel like okay, maybe they can hang around and hang around and hang around and then all of a sudden you win. Um or it's going to be one where we're going to look up and it's 20 to six, you know, and at, at that point it's over. One thing I will say, and this kind of, uh, it shouldn't surprise me because we pay attention to these things, but like, I, I guess I just didn't realize, but I saw a tweet earlier and I want to shout the person out because I didn't come up with this at UVA football history on Twitter um, said since 2011, the last seven times UVA's played at Duke, uh, the games have been decided by four points or fewer. <laughs> The game's decided by four, three, two, two, one, one, and one. That's pretty remarkable. That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, like every single one of those games was it really, really came down to like a possession. Um, yeah. And you know they've they've definitely they, the Cameron like they can never win their thing is definitely not a thing anymore to me because they've won there twice in the last like three trips. Um, and the one time they didn't win, Duke was bad, which was weird. Um, but I, th- I think it, at the end of the day, for me, it's more about like the environment plus the team, like the discrepancy of you know talent across the board. And I just I struggle to see how UVA is going to play good enough defense to win this game um, against Duke. Just get what they have on their roster. Um, but you know, it's it's I don't want to say it's like a no lose situation because you you know you know every loss matters. But like the big thing for me is like if they can avoid getting blown out, you know, because that that's going to hurt your metrics and stuff. And that'll at least maybe make people look twice at you again, you know? And it's like, you don't want that. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on it is Dave was talking about, you know, Ryan Dunn sort of has to factor into that. I mean, they got to figure out a way to get some offense from him. Kyle had like the best summation of this. And I, I'm, he he said, I was feel I, I could feel free to use it. The coach who was more obsessed with defense than anyone in the nation sat arguably the nation's best defensive player for nine minutes down the stretch last night because he can't play offense. And if if there was ever a time for Ryan Dunn to – I don't know if it's if it's UVA, you know, figuring something out for him or if he's got to be – you know, I, I think a lot of times he catches in spots and he's not ready to do whatever he needs to do, whether that is to move the ball again or that is to drive or whatever – um, I don't think they can. I don't think they can win in Durham with Ryan Dunn just basically cleaning up rebounds and playing defense. I mean, I think that they're already at a disadvantage offensively because if the threes aren't falling, it's really hard for them to score. And so, it just feels like they got to get some contributions from him. Um, now I'm I'm not sure what that looks like, but I just know it's it's got to happen. Like he just it can't be. Um, they, they're not going to be able to win this game in this environment against this, even this, this kind of Duke team in spite of their lack of offense from that spot. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're going to need, they're going to need some contributions from a variety of different folks. And I think he has to be able to do that. So, um, all right. I think that is a good place to put a pin in it. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look at someone, Apple podcast, Spotify, overcast, or wherever it is that your programs are sold. We appreciate it. If you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. Lots of stuff rolling in and out. Lots of people just as angry about, you know, 
uh, officials getting fingers to the cheek and falling on the floor, um, which is still one of the most wild things I've ever seen. Um, and we didn't even discuss it on the show. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show. And of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously the time as always very much appreciate all that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Yeah.